This episode of Weird Darkness is brought to you by the audiobook Last Exit by Jason R. Davis, narrated by Darren Marlar. It's the dark and lonely road. You drive, you're tired and falling asleep behind the wheel. The windows are down, the cool air blowing through your hair as you crank up the stereo. ACDC blares on the radio and you're screaming out the chorus. Then a set of headlights emerges from the darkness and your night has become a nightmare. Welcome to Last Exit, an anthology of 17 horrific tales where life on the road can sometimes take a dark and unexpected turn. Last Exit by Jason R. Davis. Hear a free sample on the audiobooks page at WeirdDarkness.com. Stories and content in Weird Darkness can be disturbing for some listeners and is intended for mature audiences only. Parental discretion is strongly advised. Sometimes the boogeyman is just a dark shape passing through a room. At other times, he is eyes that stare out from a crack in the closet door. Every kid knows that the boogeyman can be anywhere. That's why you have to keep the covers pulled up around your neck, and whatever you do, don't let your legs dangle off the side of the bed. That's just asking for the boogeyman to drag you off to some place far away where no one will hear your screams. I'm Darren Marlar, and this is Weird Darkness. Welcome, Weirdos! This is a special Weekend Archive episode of Weird Darkness. Here you'll find stories of the paranormal, supernatural, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. If you have a dark tale to tell, you can share it with me at WeirdDarkness.com and I might use it in a future episode. And be sure to subscribe if you've not done so already so you don't miss future uploads. And if you're already a fan of the show, please help spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by leaving a rating and review of the podcast in the app that you listen from, and also share a link to this episode with a couple of your friends and on your social media, and thanks in advance for doing so. Now, bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the weekend archives of Weird Darkness. Of the many stories of the Kentish Weald villages, the sightings of the Grey Beast in the old village of Chalak are quite possibly the strangest on record. The present village is around a mile and a half away from the original settlement, though Chalak Church is still there and is still used. The countryside around the church is wild and wooded and reached from the present village down a twisting, dark, tree-shrouded and narrow lane. For many years, local people and walkers 
have reported seeing a strange beast which prowls the woodland, often following them, but only just in sight. Descriptions vary a little, but the animal, if animal it is, seems to be a cross between a huge goat or sheep and a human figure. It is said that the beast is misty gray with glowing amber eyes, horns of a golden metallic appearance, and a bearded face. A photograph used to exist, though in black and white, that showed a weird shimmering halo along the beast's body and a long, sharp tail. Much of the beast was obscured by foliage as it stared out at the camera. Often, animals are discovered in the woods, torn apart and strewn across the ground. The area is very quiet, rarely can a bird be heard, it is not a place to go alone and at night is both creepy and confusing. The beast was often seen in the 1930s and has made more appearances in the new millennium. A young man once tracked the beast for several hundred yards before it turned on him with such force that the young man was forced to run for his life. Arriving back at the church, he locked himself in and immediately passed out from fear only to awake the next morning, safe and snug, in his car. Who took him there and how they entered the bolted church door is still not known to this day. Recent reports from the area around the church speak of heavy crashing noises coming from the dense undergrowth and a strange, sickly smoke-like smell following behind people as they hike through the woods a gray presence is often mentioned, caught in a slight sideways glance. It is thought that the village was moved to its present location at the time of the plague, although some say the prevalence of witchcraft in the area made only the church a safe place to visit, and then only by day when a priest was in attendance. The church is interesting in its own way, too. Some years ago, a local artist painted the portraits of all of the villagers on the wall inside the church. The pictures remain, but some appear to have changed their expression to one of fear. And by the way, do not visit the site on a bicycle. These machines seem to entice the beast to charge through the undergrowth, and several cyclists have had accidents as they struggled to speed away. You have been warned nothing in the world would make me visit this area alone or at night. No exploration into the world of urban legends would be complete without a look at the one that started them all, the Boogeyman. He exists everywhere and nowhere. He's under the bed, hiding in the closet or waiting just outside the window for parents to leave the room so he can feast on their fat, juicy children. The boogeyman legend is as old as time. In every corner of the globe and in nearly every culture, there is some version of the boogeyman. He is eternal. He is that thing in the darkness that we dare not speak of. He is your worst nightmare come to life. 
it is nearly impossible to say for sure when and where the boogeyman originated. He was surely conjured up as a tool to get children to mind their parents or else the boogeyman would get them. Many a parent has used this legend when all else fails. Don't stay out past your curfew or the boogeyman will be waiting for you, they will say. Or do as I say or I'll sick the boogeyman on you. So who is the boogeyman? He is whatever scares you the most. If you're frightened of demons, that's who he is for you. If bears terrify you, he will come to you in the form of a bear. The worst thing your mind can conjure is exactly how he will appear to you. Sometimes the boogeyman is just a dark shape passing through a room. At other times, he is eyes that stare at you from a crack in the closet door. Every kid knows that the boogeyman can be anywhere. That's why you have to keep the covers pulled up around your neck and whatever you do, don't let your legs dangle off of the side of the bed. That's just asking for the boogeyman to drag you off to some place far away where no one will hear your screams. As scary as all of the boogeyman stories are, they're just fantasy, at least up to a point. There have certainly been many cases over the years of real-life boogeymen who have done things more terrifying than any make-believe monster ever could. One of those monsters was a man named Tommy Lynn Sells. Sells was executed by the state of Texas in 2014 for the brutal murder of 13-year-old Kayleen Harris. He was every parent's worst nightmare, a devil in human form who preyed upon the most innocent of victims. Sells was thought to have been responsible for the murders of at least 22 men, women, and children. It wasn't until the attack on young Kayleen and her friend Crystal Surlis that Sells' reign of terror finally ended. The killer had been an acquaintance of Kayleen's parents. When they met him at a community church event, he was down on his luck and, being good people, they tried to help him in any way they could. They couldn't know that their kindness would be repaid with more heartache than they imagined possible. It was on New Year's Eve 1999 that the family saw what the real Tommy Lynn Sells was capable of. As Kayleen and Crystal were sleeping peacefully in Kayleen's bunk beds, Sells crept into the room and began to viciously attack the 13-year-old. Awakened by the violence taking place in the bed below hers, 10-year-old Crystal watched helplessly as her friend was stabbed multiple times. When Sells was finished with Kayleen, he turned his attention to Crystal, slicing the child across the throat. Thinking that both girls were dead, Sells fled the scene. Young Crystal, though, critically wounded, managed to escape from the home and make it to a neighbor's house. They immediately called police and the search for the maniac who attacked the girls was set into motion. Kayleen did not survive the horrifying attack, but Crystal did, and she remembered everything. With her help, a forensic artist was able to draw a sketch of what the killer looked like. Before long, authorities had their man, one Tommy Lynn Sells. Sells admitted to killing Kayleen and attempting to murder Crystal. He didn't stop there. 
he confessed to murders all over the country, as well as other unspeakable crimes. He was the devil incarnate for anyone unfortunate enough to encounter him when he was on a crime spree. Still recovering from the injuries that had nearly killed her, Crystal testified against Sells at his murder trial. He was convicted of the murder of Kayleen and the attempted murder of Crystal. He received the ultimate punishment – death by lethal injection. Crystal's nightmare was finally over. This boogeyman would never hurt her or anyone else ever again. There are also boogeymen who are the products of the worldwide communication highway, the internet. The most famous or infamous of those has to be Slenderman. Slenderman began innocently enough as an internet meme. Not long after his creation, various websites started inviting users to send in their own Slenderman stories. People from all over the world began to make up scary tales about Slenderman. In many of the fictionalized accounts, Slenderman was a nameless, faceless entity who stalked and sometimes murdered unsuspecting victims. He was usually portrayed as very tall and thin, with abnormally long limbs. Video games and even film shorts have been developed with Slenderman as their central character. He has become a phenomenon very popular with teens and adults alike. As with anything that becomes as well-known as Slenderman, some people took it too seriously, with dire consequences. In May of 2014, two 12-year-old girls in Wisconsin invited a mutual friend over for a sleepover. The friend had spent time at the home of one of the girls before, and they were good friends. She had no reason to think that this night would be any different. She couldn't have been more wrong. The two girls who had suggested the sleepover had a plan. They were going to isolate the third girl and then, when the time was right, kill her. They weren't angry with the girl, in fact, they had no problems with her whatsoever. Allegedly, they wanted to kill their friend to prove to Slenderman that they were worthy to be his disciples. The girls had followed the exploits of Slenderman online and believed him to be real. They thought that he lived in the woods somewhere close by. They intended to murder their friend and then find his house so they could reveal to him what they had done. Once the two girls had the third girl alone, one of them is said to have held her down while the other one stabbed her. Thinking that they had accomplished their mission, they left the girl's body in the woods and set out looking for Slenderman. A passing bicyclist happened upon the girl who had been so brutally attacked by those she thought were her friends. The girl had been stabbed over a dozen times, but she was still alive and was even able to identify her assailants. The two would-be killers were quickly apprehended and are still awaiting trial. Their alleged victim is still recovering both physically and emotionally from what happened to her that day when her friends turned on her and all for a boogeyman who existed only in their minds. The boogeyman of the past is a creature from the land of make-believe whose original purpose was to get kids to walk the straight and narrow and mind their elders. That doesn't mean that there aren't plenty of things that go bump in the night to be fearful of. 
like the cold-blooded killer who unleashed his rage on two young girls one dark Texas night. Boogeymen are all around us. Usually, we don't even realize how close we've come to danger until it has already passed us by. The next time you feel a shiver for no reason or goose flesh suddenly appears on your arms, that might just be something trying to tell you that evil is closer than you think. Hey, weirdos. So the folks at MyPillow, they said, hey, Darren, can you try out a MyPillow and let us know what you think? Well, I was skeptical. I mean, it's a pillow, right? But, well, what did I have to lose? So, you know, I'll tell you what I lost. I lost interrupted sleep. Yeah, no more folding the pillow in half, no more flat, lifeless pillows, no more using two pillows to get comfortable, which I've been doing for years. This really changed the way I sleep for the better. So, I'm letting you know. You need my pillow. Well, not my pillow, but you need a my pillow of your own. Why? Well, it stays cool all night long, so you're not waking up at 3 a.m. to flip to the cool side of the pillow. That was always so annoying to me. Uh, it also keeps its shape. You're not reshaping your pillow in the middle of the night. It also comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. So, if you do try it and you decide it's just not for you, no big deal. You can return it. Now, if you do decide to keep it, check this out. It comes with a 10-year warranty. A 10-year warranty. Tell me your pillow has a 10-year warranty. I don't think it does, but my pillow does. And you can toss it right into your washer and dryer and it's like brand new again. Try doing that with your current pillow and see what happens. These are just a few of the reasons I really am loving my pillow. And right now, as a special welcome to the podcast and a special deal for you, my weirdo family, you can get two premium pillows. Those are the good ones. Two premium my pillows for one low price. Just go to mypillow.com and enter the promo code WEIRD. That's mypillow.com and then use the promo code WEIRD. Or you can call 800 945 7192. That's 800-945-7192 or visit MyPillow.com. Either way, just be sure to use that promo code WEIRD. Back in 1990 or so, my husband and I were preparing to replace my mother's kitchen flooring. The kitchen door opened onto a high outside deck with its railing top about six feet above the ground. We had the kitchen door open in order to take out the old linoleum and I proceeded to bring in the shop vac. As I sat it down, it suddenly roared on with its loud motor, then shut off, then roared on again and off. My husband stopped pulling the refrigerator out from the wall and asked, did that just turn on without being plugged in? incredulously it had. I glanced out the open doorway and saw my brother's ghost float by the railing. He was transparent but had color. He was in a walking stance but did not have motion, just floated by. My brother had died on the property a few years before this happened. 
This happened in December 1984. My family had just moved into a farmhouse in Arizona. I had a chair next to my bed that I usually just used for storage. I woke up one night around 3 a.m. because I felt like someone was staring at me. I thought it was one of my parents at first. When I rolled over, I saw a teenage boy sitting in the chair on the left side of my office. All I could hear was a voice in my head screaming. I sat with a start and the boy stood up. In my head, I could hear his voice. He wanted to know why I was in his house. I tried to tell him that it was our house and that we had lived in the house for several months. He glared at me and faded away. A few months later, my mom told me that back in the 1920s, a boy had been killed in my bedroom when he got shot by his brother by accident. Apparently, the brothers saw a wolf in the yard and were afraid that it would kill the livestock. The only bullet they could find was too big for the gun, and being young boys, they decided to use a hammer and beat the bullet into place. The older brother braced the gun against his chest, and the younger boy hit the bullet a few times with the hammer. The bullet fired into his chest, and he died instantly. Did I see and interact with the ghost of a boy killed in the 1920s? In September 1988, when I was a kid, I experienced a black entity formed like a skeleton that haunted my house. The first incident took place one night when I had gone to bed early after watching TV with my parents. Late that night, around 3 a.m., I was awake on my bed when the bedroom door opened and I heard a whistling sound, but I knew the TV was turned off and everyone was sleeping. I thought nothing more about it. Over the next few nights, I kept hearing that sound all the time. I knew it was impossible to hear it, but it was real. I stood up on my bed to see outside the door, but it was too dark and I could not see anything. I knew that something was there. I tried to ignore it and lay back down on my bed and closed my eyes to sleep. Suddenly, I became paralyzed and couldn't move while I could hear that strange whistling sound, like a high-pitched airplane engine, and I could see a pathway image in my head as if I was moving at a very high speed. It was terrifying. Or perhaps this entity had the power to control my emotions. I was frightened to the point that I could get control of my hands, so I rubbed my eyes very fast to get the image away but then I became paralyzed again. However, the image and the sound were gone, and a new image appeared that showed a tree and a grassland with two people who were talking about something. It was not frightening anymore, so I smiled to show the ghost that I was not afraid. So the image disappeared, and I could open my eyes and move again. It seemed that the ghost, or entity, had a power over me when I was afraid, but when I was not afraid of it, then the ghost couldn't do much.
Recently, we had a few creepy stories that we found on TripAdvisor. It appears we found another one. The Rosen Inn International Orlando looks like a normal large hotel, located conveniently close to Universal Studios. It must do very well. However, apparently one room has a permanent guest. Do not stay in room 1170. I booked a room at a great price. Our keys did not work the first time. Went to front desk to get the keys to work. They did not work. We had security help us to get in. Once we were in, all these things started to happen. Knocks on the wall when no one was staying on either side of us. A dark shadow in the corner. Footstep sounds in the room. A big bang during the day inside. At one point, one pillow looked like something was poking in it. A great room if you're a ghost hunter. Stayed May 2009, traveled as a couple. So if you're planning a trip to Universal Studios, this might be a place to avoid or try, depending on your interest in the paranormal. TripAdvisor isn't the only place online to find creepy reviews. MyHauntedLife2.com recently scoured the pages of Yelp. Check these out, a full discussion of shadow people, the old crone, and other weird experiences. Chaz S. starts a post as follows, I believe in ghosts, always have, but never had a personal experience to back up my belief. Until last night and now I am beyond freaking out. I got up to go to the bathroom at about 2 a.m. last night, sort of half asleep, but definitely not dreaming or sleepwalking. I did my business, came out of the bathroom, and there was something standing in the corner of the living room, sort of crammed in between the wall and TV. I honestly thought it was B leaning over the TV to check the cables in the back, but it didn't move at all. It just stood there. I wasn't really afraid at first, since it didn't really have a face or anything, just a long shadowy thing that I couldn't figure out what it was. But then it sort of shrunk into itself. Literally, it just sucked itself into thin air and was gone. I didn't really freak out until the cats came flying off the couch with their fur all puffed out. I got the hell out of the hallway and back into the bedroom and I locked the door. I was close to crying. I was so afraid I didn't wake up B, since she was fast asleep and probably wouldn't understand what I was saying. But I didn't get any sleep the entire night. And now I'm terrified to sleep here tonight. All I can think about is seeing that thing in the corner of our bedroom, slowly turning into some demon or something. Did anyone else see a ghost in their place? Did they have to move because they were so afraid? I don't know what to do. Here is a reply from Rosie V. For a while, we lived in the basement of this big, rambling ranch house in some unincorporated part of Chicago Heights. Nothing but woods and quarries and one 90-year-old lady for a neighbor. Anyhow, I'm laying on the couch downstairs listening to music and I'm dozing off. Then I start to feel like something is pressing down on my chest, 
I'm in limbo sleep and I'm thinking it's my cat or the dog that the family upstairs had. No big deal. Then it starts pressing down harder and harder until I snapped out of half-sleep, gasping for air. I run upstairs all freaked out and get a neighbor to check the house with me. We're the only ones home and we could hear the stairs that lead downstairs creaking real slow, like someone's trying to sneak up. We almost lost it. We stand in the kitchen freaking out, listening to creaking stairs. We get the hell out of there and refuse to go home until the old man gets home from work. And then Kevin T. chimes in. I used to stay in the finished basement where my uncle and aunt lived in for a total of three months before she moved out. The unit went unoccupied and untouched for a total of a year and a half. I remember falling asleep while studying in the living room. I awoke and decided to move myself to the bedroom. I awoke from a horrible nightmare that night, paralyzed. After opening my eyes to complete darkness and finally jerking out of my paralysis, I felt cold sweat beads on my head, decided to try to go back to bed or wait for the morning to come. The nightmare revisited me and again I woke up with that same paralysis. This time, instead of seeing complete darkness, there was a shadow of a profile shot of a head with something that resembled horns on its head. How I survived the night without eventually being institutionalized is a surprise to me. Goosebumps covered my body as I retold this story, and I didn't even speak of the nightmare that I had had that night. And Rocky B. Reminisces In one of our last apartments, we had a ghost. For a while there, after R would leave for work and I'd still be sleeping, I'd hear the shower run in our apartment. Then I'd feel the foot of the bed sink down like someone was sitting on it. It didn't scare me for some reason. It just irritated me that I was losing precious moments of sleep by some ghost that was getting ready for the day. One time I said something like, can you please sit somewhere else? After that, no more ghosty. Sniff. Kind of miss that guy. And finally, Caroline chimes in with one of her own. A good friend of mine had an old ski house in Vermont. The house is very old and used to be a carriage house. The last time I was there, my then-boyfriend and I were getting ready to go to bed. We looked out the window and saw a foggy figure outside. I assumed it was just condensation and forgot about it. My boyfriend taps my shoulder a few seconds later and says it's coming closer and getting bigger. All of a sudden, the window blinds come down, which was okay, it happens, but then it went back up. At this point, I cover my head with the blanket because I am spooked and my boyfriend is tapping my shoulder to look. The room is freezing cold and I feel some weight at my feet. I finally take my head out and see right in front of me the white outline of an old man's face. My boyfriend and I then shut our eyes and put our heads under the blanket, hoping it would just go away. The next day, we told our friend, who owns the house, that we saw a ghost. His reply was, oh, you saw the old man. He always comes and goes. I think he's angry that we're remodeling the house. Now, why do we not get discussions like that at WeirdDarkness.com? I mean, after all, it is your experiences that we're after.
Share your own personal experiences at WeirdDarkness.com. When I was eight, my father retired from the military. We moved to North Carolina to be closer to my mother's family. My mom found a three-bedroom home just a quarter mile from my grandparents. My two sisters and I shared a room. It was huge. Another room for our full-size bed, a twin-size bed, four dressers with a space in between you could have put two more full-size beds and still had room. The first night there, I woke up in the middle of the night. I could feel someone staring at me, and it definitely was not in a nice way. I rolled over towards the door and saw an old man in a wheelchair. He looked furious. He was pointing at me and mouthing something, but I didn't hear anything. I couldn't move or make a sound. Then he was gone. No fading, just gone. I screamed bloody murder. My parents weren't too happy being woke up in the dead of night, and I got in trouble for screaming like that over a nightmare. Over the next few weeks, more things happened, and not just to me. My mother, brother, and other sisters also saw the old man. The stove would turn off by itself every time my mom tried to cook dinner. She had to stay in the kitchen the whole time to turn the burners back on. Doors would slam shut and lock you out of the house or out of your room. Clothes would be pulled off hangers in the closets or thrown on the floor out of dressers. Several times, we thought someone had broken in and ransacked the house while we were out. The last straw was one Sunday while we were sitting down to Sunday dinner. Something grabbed me by my shoulders and pinned me to my chair. I felt a horrible burning sensation along my lower back and I started screaming in pain. My mom jumped up and yelled for my dad to help me. Once they touched me, it suddenly let me go. My mom pulled up my shirt and deeply scratched into my back were three letters. Zeb. Talking to the old couple who were renting to us, my parents found out they had purchased the home from a son and daughter. It had been their father's home. He had been sick the last few years of his life and ended up in a wheelchair the last year or so before he passed away. His name? Zebediah. We moved out a week later. That whole last week, my mom kept us all together at night in one room. I was so glad to get out of there. Thanks for listening to this Weekend Archive episode of Weird Darkness. If you like what you hear and you want to hear even more, consider becoming a patron. I post patron-only content and bonus materials as well, including chapters of horror and paranormal books that I'm narrating into audiobooks as I record them. Become a patron by clicking the link in the show notes, or visit WeirdDarkness.com and click on Become a Patron. If you did like the episode, please share a link to this episode with a couple of your friends and leave a rating and review of the show in the podcast app that you're using right now. I might read your review here in the podcast. 
Stay up to date on everything I'm doing with my newsletter. It's The Marler Sheet. It's free, and you can sign up for it right now at WeirdDarkness.com or look for the link in the show notes. Do you have a dark tale to tell? Share your story at WeirdDarkness.com and I might use it in a future episode. Find me on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and more. I've got links to all of my social media at the top of the page at WeirdDarkness.com. I'm your creator and host, Darren Marlar. Thanks for joining me for this special Weekend Archives episode of Weird Darkness.